0: Welcome to a special update episode of Winston and Strawn's Competition Corner podcast. We're again discussing antitrust compliance programs. My name is Erica Smilewski, and I'm here today with Molly Donovan, who's our usual host of the podcast. Molly and I will be talking about the DOJ's new policy on assessing antitrust compliance programs in connection with criminal antitrust investigations. Molly, can you give us an overview of the recent changes to the DOJ's policy? Hi, Erica. Yes, thanks so much. Let me give you that update. So there are three changes in DOJ's approach to antitrust compliance policies in the context of criminal investigations. These changes were made in July of 2019, and there are two main substantive prongs to the new approach. The first is a complete reversal of former policy. Under old policy, the division said that credit specifically should not be given at the charging stage for a compliance program, and this went hand-in-hand with the idea that leniency was available only to the first corporation to make full disclosure of the misconduct. But now, under the new policy, prosecutors actually are required to consider the effectiveness of the compliance program that's in existence both at the time of the offense and at the time of the charging decision. So, Molly, what does this practically mean for companies? So that's a good question. As a practical matter, and this is very important, it creates the possibility for a prosecutor to give a corporation a deferred prosecution agreement, even if that corporation is second or later in line for leniency. So, Erica, as you know previously, if you were second or later in line for leniency, you had to plea guilty, and deferred prosecution wasn't really an option. Um, Let me move on to the second prong of the new approach, which is um, at sentencing. Um, Although the division previously did technically consider compliance in terms of recommending sentences under the guidelines, as a practical matter, it had never actually recommended credit at sentencing for a pre-existing compliance program. Now the division has given us greater clarity as to how exactly compliance ought to be evaluated at the sentencing phase and with an eye towards, I think, incentivizing um, compliance programs. And what, uh, what does the division look at when it is um, assessing compliance programs? So um, there's there's new written guidance. First of all, on all of this, that's pretty thorough, and it answer it helps to answer the question that you just asked. So, at the charging phase, um, the division has identified three sort of overarching questions that prosecutors are supposed to ask themselves throughout an investigation. Um, those three questions are: one, does the compliance program prohibit and address criminal antitrust violations? Two, did the antitrust compliance program detect and facilitate prompt reporting of the violation? And three, to what extent was the company's senior management involved in the violation? The idea of the last one being that if senior management is involved, then compliance may not actually be taken all that seriously at the company, even if the program looks pretty good on paper, um, you have to keep in mind the only companies that promptly come forward to report the conduct and cooperate with the DOJ will be considered for the credit. Now, these three questions guide the analysis. They're not a checklist, and they're not a formula. This really is supposed to be a case-by-case assessment that will vary depending on the circumstances. Um, the written guidance provides even more detail. Um There are many categories, nine, I think, laid out in the written guidance um, for looking at this question at the charging phase. And um, within each category, there are specific questions that companies can look at and see how many boxes they can check when they um, design or redesign their own compliance program. So some of those questions are, you know, how often do you update and review your program? Do you look at employee feedback when you're updating your program? are you tracking contacts with competitors are you tracking what happens at trade association meetings Um, do your employees know that um, if a violation comes to light that they must not destroy or delete electronically any documents or materials that might be relevant or potentially relevant to the situation Um, is senior leadership participating in the compliance program in a serious way Are you training HR staff about issues like no poach, for example? Um, Did you have past antitrust violations? And if you did, does your compliance program remedy them or address them in a meaningful way? How often are you training? Um, The division likes it if employees can make anonymous and confidential reports. Um, The division also likes periodic and unannounced audits, meaning um, some sort of review of documents or even interviews of employees from time to time. And what is the purpose of those audits? The purpose of the audits is to check to be sure that nothing is happening that might be problematic or potentially problematic that you ought to look into further and even take to the government seeking a marker. I think that that covers the highlights of the inquiry at the charging phase, um, which takes us to sentencing. And the inquiry at the sentencing phase is, is not so different. Again, the emphasis seems to be on detection and reporting, even if the compliance program wasn't otherwise perfect in stopping the misconduct um, in the first place. Some of you may know that at sentencing, compliance is considered for three purposes. To determine the culpability score under the sentencing guidelines, and that goes into determining the fine range. Also to determine the actual fine that will be recommended within the guidelines range. And finally, probation. Um, So the new guidance in terms of compliance is relevant to all of those purposes. It's clear that there's not going to be a sentencing reduction where there has been unreasonable delay in reporting the conduct. We know now there's going to be a rebuttable presumption that a compliance program is not effective when high-level or substantial authority personnel are involved in the misconduct. What does that mean? I think it means... um, people of a relatively high level that do sales, run plants, people who are negotiating prices, people who are approving or rejecting major contracts. So the idea is that people in those positions, if they have culpable conduct, then the DOJ would presume that the compliance policy was not effective. That's exactly right. Now, it's possible to rebut that presumption, Um, The relevant factors to rebutting the presumption are whether the program detected the violation inside the company before it was discovered outside the company and how fast you reported it to the government. They've specifically said that whether and when the company applied for a leniency marker... Um, is often going to be the key factor. So it seems like there's still a very strong emphasis that the DOJ is making on prompt reporting. Exactly. I would say that that's sort of a theme throughout the new approach. Those are the quick highlights, I think. I'll end by noting that the written guidance is pretty specific and clear. I think it's a really useful tool to reference when you're designing or redesigning the antitrust aspect of a corporate compliance program, that guidance is available on the DOJ's website. Or if you have any questions, then feel free to contact me at mmdonovan@winston.com. Thanks so much, Erica, for being here today. Thank you, Molly.